Cap Impact Podcast receives funding from the Solano County Water Agency. At the Solano County Water Agency, we do far more than supply 400,000 residents with clean and reliable water. We're a regional leader, coordinating and supporting programs for responsible groundwater, flood, and regional water management. Learn more at www.scwa2.com. Hello, everyone. I'm John Wainwright, and this is the Cap Impact Podcast, a podcast by the Capital Center for Law and Policy at University of the Pacific McGeorge School of Law in Sacramento, California. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the recent Dynamex decision from the California State Supreme Court. And to help us understand that a little bit better, we've got McGeorge adjunct professor and partner at the governmental relations firm Apre McKaylee, Chris McKaylee. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, John. So before we dive into what Dynamex did, could you walk us through just some of the facts of the case a little bit? Sure. It's actually a case that uh, wound its way through the courts for uh, almost a decade. Okay. Um, Dynamex Operations West was a Texas-based company in the courier business. And, you know, in the mid to late 90s, there were a number of businesses that faced you know, an existential threat to their business because of our very high cost of worker comp insurance. And there were a number of consultants, for lack of a better term, who were going around to businesses and said, hey, I've got a great way for how you can save on your worker comp premiums. Turn some of these employees into independent contractors. And the courier business with a good 650 companies in the state of California were specifically targeted by these, again, I'm using the term consultants, and Dynamex Operations West was one of those courier businesses. And so uh, I hearken back to uh, law school here at McGeorge, where (laughs) professors here and elsewhere often say bad facts make bad law. And essentially what you had was is individual drivers who were employees at Dynamex, and um, they were essentially flipped independent into independent contractors. And so, you know, the bad facts are is that you probably had people doing the same job that they did last week as an employee are now doing this week as a quote-unquote independent contractor and undoubtedly misclassified Uh, by that business. And so the court, uh, Cal Supreme Court, of course, was looking at an applied Industrial Welfare Commission, IWC wage orders. And I believe this was wage order 12 that uh, governs the transportation industry. And keep in mind that these wage orders were promulgated by the IWC and last updated about 15 years ago when the IWC was defunded. It still exists in statute, but hasn't had uh, funding in a decade and a half. So for example, the, um, you know, the so-called gig economy, the Uber, Lyft, Grubhub, et cetera, of the world, uh, you know, didn't exist under IWC wage order 12. Uh, But anyway, so the, the, the court was looking at a very old wage order and how to apply uh, that wage order to this particular case. Okay. So this kind of gets at the issue here, which is, I guess, the line between 
what makes you an employee versus what can make you an independent contractor. Exactly. Um, Pre-Dynamax, what did what was that standard that was here in California? Well, <clears throat> I remember, I hate to admit it, but, you know, two decades plus ago when I was at McGeorge and that first year we were actually on the quarter system. Uh, and uh, the next year went over to the semester where they've been ever since. But we had, as a first quarter, first year law student, a one quarter agency class. And so this goes back to, you know, the old British common law of master servant. Okay. And essentially the idea between and how you distinguish generally between employees and independent contractors is right of control. And so the Cal Supreme Court issued uh, almost 30 years ago in 1989, S.G. Borello and Sons versus the uh, Department of Industrial Relations. And essentially that was uh, listing, most characterize it as nine, although some people get a few more factors out of it, but roughly nine factors for the courts and of course uh, employers and individuals as well as the regulatory agencies to look at those factors to help determine what is the right of control. I think the difficulty for businesses and individuals alike is, one, the federal-state differences. For example, if you ask the average business, many are familiar with the so-called 20-factor test. Well, that's at the federal level by the Internal Revenue Service. So for tax purposes at the federal level, you look at those 20 factors, right? But you also have the distinction between employee and independent contractor, not just for tax purposes, but for unemployment insurance, for worker comp coverage, uh, and of course for wage and hour, which was the determination in this particular case in Dynamex. Uh, So anyways, the court looked at it uh, in a worker comp context in uh, S.G. Borello and Sons. And so most people were familiar, again, the last 29 years, in utilizing the so-called Borello factors. And so that's been the proverbial law of the land. And again, those factors help determine. It was a, you know, generally uh, looking at a totality of the circumstances test. So it wasn't a this factor of the nine in Borello overpowers all the other ones, or it's not that you have to meet five of the four, et cetera, but a totality of the circumstances. And again, those looked at different factors for determining how much control did the employer exercise over the individual. And naturally, the more control, the more likely he or she would be found to be an employee the less control over the individual, the more likely he or she would be an independent contractor. And so what the court did uh, on April 30th, it issued its decision, which didn't become final until June 20th, almost two months later. But what they essentially said was, is, hey, we're scrapping all that other stuff and we're going with this new ABC test, which had never been considered legislatively in the state had never been in any other court decision in the state or applied uh, by any regulatory entity, be it Franchise Tax Board for tax purposes, uh, EDD, uh, sorry, Employment Development Department, or DLSC, the Division of Labor Standards Enforcement, aka the Labor Commissioner in the state, had Mm -hmm. never utilized an ABC test. And all of a sudden they said, here's the new test, ABC. What is the new 
ABC test? What factors are they looking at here that I guess we weren't looking at before when it was that old nine-factor test? Well, ABC by its name means there are three prongs to the test, okay. A, B, and C, naturally. A is essentially the old right of control test. Okay. So kind of like, this, does the worker set their own hours or are they... All those types of things. Fixed schedule that they yeah, have I to mean, adhere do to. They, uh, you know, do you provide all of the, you know, tools, if you will? So like in Dynamex, did you, uh, you know, supply uniforms? Did you have a set schedule? Did they have a set um, uh, driving route? Did you provide the vehicle, et cetera, et cetera? The second, the B prong, which is the real kicker here, is was it outside the usual course of business? Okay, I can see how this is a hangup for like the Ubers and Lyfts. Yeah, of the world. And, and and let's get back to it in a minute. Okay, um, and then the third is. Uh, basically that the individual was engaged in an independent business, not just looking at like, a, a, you know, a license, if you will, or a, a separate entity, but also looking at, you know, is this a business that uh, they were, could uh, contract with others? In other words, showing that they truly are an independent business, not that Friday you are a 40 hour a work uh, hour a week worker employee mm -hmm. and on monday you came in and now you were a 40 hour per week independent contractor right <laughs> you were truly independent yeah such as you mentioned uber you know look at all those drivers who have two cell phones yeah one with the <laughs> uber app on and one with the lyft app on right yeah. or maybe they drive for uber and grubhub etc cetera, etc cetera. anyways the real difficulty is that in the B factor, the Supreme Court, from my perspective, of course, took a very narrow view uh, of that and essentially said that for all practical purposes, if you're doing the same sort of thing in the employer's line of business, you're going to fail the B prong. And the court went back to what is in the law in statute in California and has been since the early 1900s that we have in California state law, a presumption that an individual is an employee. And so that presumption can be overcome if you show each of those three factors, A, B, and C prongs. If the individual fails any one of the three, they are an employee. So you have to meet all three, meaning you know that limited right of control, outside the usual course of business and a truly independent business, if you miss any of those three prongs, you're an employee. And again, let me come back to the B factor because what the court did in Dynamex was, is that it gave some examples. And one of the distinctions made was that they didn't consider any difference on or off the facility, if you will, or the grounds of the employer. Gotcha. So there are, you know, the proponents of keeping Dynamex to be the law of the land in California argue that, hey, 22 other states do this. And what they said was, is that in those 22 other states, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Well, first of all, in almost every instance, a legislative, i.e. the elected branch of government, made a determination that ABC should be the test. 
Second distinction is most of those states did it for other purposes, particularly unemployment insurance, in some instances, worker comp, very few for wage and hour purposes. Okay. And then also uh, most of them created exceptions uh, or others viewed the B prong more expansively. And so let me get back to what the court said here in Dynamex was they didn't draw a distinction between an individual operating on the grounds, again, my terminology, of the employer versus off. In other words, you, John, and I both work for ABC Manufacturer, and we both work on the manufacturing line. You've been there for eight years, an employee, enjoy all the benefits of being an employee, and I was hired as an independent contractor, but I'm working on the same manufacturing line, and gee, after eight months of 40 hours a week, I'm still an independent contractor. That is of concern to lots of people. Yeah. And in many instances, that is an instance of the B factor coming into play. Hey, you're clearly operating in the same business, the usual course of business of the employer. Mm -hmm. Plus they have the same right of control over you that they did that they do with the employee working on the same manufacturing line. And clearly you don't really have an independent business because you're at their facility day in and day out, just like the everyday employee. Yeah, you don't have a manufacturing but line for at home example, that you work yourself. <laughs> the court didn't draw any distinction for those who are operating outside that facility, but doing work that supports the business of the employer. So for example, despite the fact that I am off campus, you know, maybe at my own home, that uh, I uh, determine my own hours of work, I supply my own equipment, et cetera, et cetera. If I am engaged in the usual course of business of that employer, then according to the Cal Supreme Court in Dynamics, I would fail the B prong and therefore I would be an employee. So from my perspective, the court has a very narrow reading of that B factor. And that's why this case is so problematic for the California business community, not just the gig economy, whose business model, as we all know, is clearly premised upon the use of independent contractors, but even the traditional non-gig economy. For example, you know, how about travel agents? You know, how about insurance agents well, I selling can even, insurance? Go ahead. I can even think of um, just like the oil production industry in California. There's a whole sure. network of other, you know, companies that contract out to support what goes on yes, the on the oil field. And, subcontractor. How about yeah. in the construction business? All the subs for, you know, helping to put together, I don't know, the roofing, you know, or installing the windows. Mm -hmm. In other words, if I'm the general contractor building a house, I can't build the house without the roof, without the windows. So all those subs, in theory, are the same line of business as the employer and therefore they fail the B test. So, you know, and again, how about some other industries? For example, the forestry business, you would think, where do they use independent contractors? Well, they use independent environmentalists uh, to help them prepare the timber harvesting plans. They contract sometimes with a registered professional forester, or they contract with a logger for a couple of months out of the year, et cetera, et cetera. All those people are independent contractors. 
Well, clearly the, the, the timber business couldn't operate without those contractors. So they clearly are engaged in the usual course of business as the timber company. So they would all fail the B prong and either they're out of work or they have to be made employees. And so, you know, what I saw in some legislative efforts this past summer to see if the legislature would step into the fray was as you had traditional economy and you had the new or the gig economy folks, but both were equally impacted by this decision. Okay. So let's get into that a little bit. Some of the different legislative fixes. I know that there was a hope from the business community to get the legislature to at least suspend the decision and then be able to revisit it and try to figure out some, some ways to work through this. That didn't happen. So what are some of the different fixes that are, are could, the legislature could take up in the next session to start a, to address some of these issues? Sure. Let me um, first tackle what transpired the last couple of months and then looking sure. forward to 2019. So the issue, so Dynamics came out April 30th um, and obviously many people who track these types of issues uh, in the labor and employment realm realized the problematic implications of it. The other thing was is that the court didn't make any determination as to when the decision would be applicable, i.e. prospective or retroactive. So there were petitions filed uh, for the court to consider specifically the issue of is this decision just prospective in application? Uh, because the normal rule is, is that it is applied retroactively. But we thought that can't be the case because how would somebody up to four years ago, because that's the general rule okay. for, la- for wage and hour purposes, there's a four-year statute. Uh, somebody three years ago last year in January yeah. couldn't be expected to know that the court was going to say, hey, the law of the land is now ABC and not Borello. Well, on June 20th, we got the answer. So almost two months after they issued the initial decision, they basically left it intact and were silent as to the application period, which obviously opened it up for retroactive application. Mm. And in fact, um, in mid-July, there was already a, a court decision in Southern California that looked at it. It was for dancers, <laughs> uh, and those dancers were deemed to be employees under the ABC test. You, you had other instances. For example, Grubhub uh, had one in, I think, February, maybe March time frame, uh, a challenge on misclassification, uh, and Grubhub won, i.e. their drivers were deemed mm-hmm. to be independent contractors under California state law. Uh, The losing plaintiffs after the Dynamics decision was finalized filed a petition for rehearing saying, court, you made a mistake. You should have applied the ABC test, (laughs) which didn't exist at the time. Excuse me, at least for California purposes. Yeah. And then you had other industries, for example, uh, a lobbying colleague at the uh, Life Insurance Association indicated that four of his members in July uh, were facing class action lawsuits now that had just been filed uh, over proper classification of those life insurance agents. Um, And since then, there have been more than 100 
class action lawsuits filed against a myriad of businesses and something like 1,600 um, arbitration uh, filings uh, to address misclassification of what had been deemed independent contractors. Um, and so the business community led by the California Chamber of Commerce uh, put together a large coalition, again, from traditional economy, if you will, you know, travel agents, insurance agents, whatever, uh, to the gig economy, you know, Uber, Lyft, et al. Uh, and basically went to the legislature and said, hey, this month of July, you're on summer recess, and then you come back for four weeks for the final month of session. And we, the business community, recognize that you're not going to be able to examine in detail the ABC test uh, or scrap ABC and come up with something new or create exceptions or deem industries should be applicable or shouldn't be applicable to it, et cetera. And instead we said, why don't you suspend the decision? Um, initially for the two-year legislative session, I think that was you know, quickly ruled out and folks looked at anywhere from a year to six months. The idea being, hey, you can't suspend it for purposes of the parties of the decision. Mm -hmm. That would violate separation of powers. But you could for everybody else, but you would have to do so by a bill that was enacted into law creating a statute. And the idea wasn't to allow a free-for-all. It would just say that, in essence, hey, we suspend for six months or a year the application of Dynamex, and in the interim, we go back to the Borello factors. Okay. So sort of return it to the law as of April 29th <laughs> yeah. until the Supreme Court issued Dynamex. And I think that there was tremendous sympathy from Democrat and Republican legislators in both the Assembly and Senate but you had two issues. First and foremost, you had adamant opposition from organized labor yeah. who frankly got their dream wish. I mean, they, they never even tried adopting the ABC test in a bill. They never even introduced a bill because they figured they could never get it through the legislature. So not only did they get this decision, but it was being made retroactive. I mean, my goodness, this is crazy, crazy town. Um, and they didn't want it touched because their argument was, hey, there had been all these people over decades who had been misclassified, some negligently, but many willfully misclassified, and they deserved immediate protection. Um, and so there wasn't sympathy. Now, I will certainly grant you and labor that uh, there's been misclassification all over the place, of course. Uh, but... The legislature has tried to combat it. For example, a couple of years ago, then-Senator Ellen Corbett, the Senate Judiciary Chairwoman, carried legislation that this governor signed that created significant financial penalties for willful misclassification. I think like $10,000 the first go-around and twenty-five for multiple violations. So we've, we've tried to do things to combat misclassification. Um, and I know that the California Labor Federation and the California Chamber of Commerce you know, made efforts uh, with their respective members to do things about it. But anyways, in the end, the legislature basically said, hey, the time period's too short and we've got other major issues like the fire liability and, you know, water tax and all these different things that yeah. were contemplated. 
And so now what we're left with is, you know, 2019 legislative session. Um, and, you know, we think that the legislature was such a, what I'll call a seismic shift in the labor laws uh, by changing from the traditional right of control to now this ABC test, again, especially how narrow the Cal Supreme Court enumerated it in the Dynamics decision, that the legislature, our ele elected branch of government, and the executive branch, you know, and the governor's office in particular, also elected, should be the ones who, who should look at this and say, hey, do we want a such a strict ABC test? Or do we want something that allows a little bit more wiggle room, especially in the B prong? Uh, do we want to exempt particular industries? Uh, do we want a different test for traditional economies versus or industries versus the new gig economy. That was something that was talked about, for example, amongst legislators. So they're going to have to go through legislative hearings. I predict that there will be hundreds, if not thousands of lawsuits over the coming months, uh, challenging classification of workers in different industries. And I think what you're going to probably find that when the legislature reconvenes on Monday, December 3rd, and can introduce bills in December, January through the end of February, basically, that you're going to find at least a dozen or more bills from different industries saying, exempt us from ABC. <laughs> um, and so the legislature is going to face this issue, whether it wants to or not. Um, you might have seen in the last day uh, here in Sacramento in the local media uh, that uh, a barbershop shut down because the half a dozen or so individuals who were working there, all of who were independent contractors and basically paid rent mm -hmm. for the chair, as they say, in that industry. Yeah, that's not uncommon. No, that's very common. Uh, said they didn't want to be employees. And so they shut down the entire barbershop. And I think that, to me, is one of the key distinctions in this whole debate over being an independent contractor. I think the organized labor folks in my conversations with them, they want to protect the individual who is really an employee, but is told he or she is an independent contractor, or if you will, forced into it, Yeah. versus the individuals who want to be, who want the freedom. Either they don't want a 40-hour job or even 20 hours. I think my colleague who represents Grubhub said that their drivers drive on average, you know, 10 or 12 hours a week. Um, so they like the flexibility. They like the extra income. So they clearly have freedom of work. They want to do it. So, you know, should they be forced into an employment situation or should they be allowed to continue as independent contractors versus going back to the start of our conversation in Dynamex, those workers who on Friday left work as an employee and then on Monday morning were basically brought in to an all-employee uh, uh, meeting and said, here in front of you is an independent contractor relationship. If you want a job here, sign it, and you're an independent contractor. So those people who are forced into it, and perhaps those people should be employees and not independent contractors. But again, those are the types of discussions and debates that our elected officials, the legislature, should have and will undoubtedly have it in the 2019 session. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time to enlighten us, Chris. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. And while you're online, please go ahead and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We are at CapImpactCA. Thanks for listening to today's show. Talk to you again next week.